since uh, since the last time we recorded this, the Department of Defense released UFO videos and we're like, yep, these are basically UFOs. So confirmed the X-Files is real. And I was laying in bed thinking about this particular episode that we're going to talk about last night. And I was thinking about those Department of Defense videos and I was thinking about the fucking smoking man. And I was like, oh, we're just all doomed. That's what's going to happen here. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and the murder hornets, yep. Oh, and, well, I won't spoil anything about the movie for you, but they're, well, bees, well, there's bees at some point in this whole thing, so we'll get, oh, man, it's just all, I'm not saying the smoking man's a real person, but, guys, I think the smoking man might be a real person. <laughs> Maybe it's astronauts and maybe it is aliens. Guys, if you don't know, oh man, funniest thing I saw this morning when I woke up was that little girl singing about what's inside a butthole. Oh, this is the FBI's most unwanted, by the way. I'm mad. <laughs> and uh, we're just crazy today, apparently, but I don't know how that's too much different than any other day. Um... Today we are going to be talking about the season finale of episode one, or episode one, season one, excuse me. I'm having a hard time today, apparently. Um, this is season one. Yeah, uh, that is insane. I did drive almost four hours already today because, side tangent, in the state of Vermont, um... Like in a lot of states, there aren't stores that you can go to for things. And for my job, I need good footwear because I still am an essential worker. I still have to go to work every day. I still need footwear. And my last pair of uh, work shoes literally fell apart about a week ago. And I've been just kind of wearing like crappy shoes. I'm like, screw it. I can't wait anymore. I have to get real shoes. So I drove all the way to New Hampshire to get shoes because over in New Hampshire, you can just walk into Walmart and buy shoes. <laughs> so it's weird. Anyway, um, season one, episode 24 is titled the Erlenmeyer flask. It was directed by R W Goodwin and written by Chris Carter. And for some reason, the production code on this one is 123, even though it's the 24th episode. Maybe the pilot doesn't count as conspiracy. Uh, in the original air date, we are coming right up on... The, in fact, I would have to look ahead. This is actually uh, May 13th, 1994. We're kind of running almost in real-time anniversary time here. Um Today is the third, so in 10 days will be when this one originally aired. All right, where did I put my notes? There they are. All right. In my butthole, wonder what's inside your butthole. I'm going to have that stuck in my head for days. <sighs> All right, and so, yes, the season finale... Uh, just a little bit of background information on this production information, stuff like that. Uh, he, uh, Chris Carter wrote this one, said it was the result 
of a year-long learning experience, and he tried with this episode to firmly establish the mythology of the series, uh, where, quote, we explored the different avenues of government conspiracy and turning it into more than just flying saucers. And that is true. It does go on. And some other important stuff happens in this episode that will really play into the next, especially the next um, two seasons. I mean, the, this particular storyline really goes all the way through season six, but I think like the best parts of it are probably in the next two or three seasons, but we'll get there eventually. All right. So this episode opens up with a big old car chase and we get the ridiculous jump over the downhill jump, you know, where they're like going so fast that they don't stay on the road when it takes a downhill. They just jump and they fly halfway down the hill. (laughs) I saw that and I'm like, because... Um, little inside baseball here, guys. I've tried that in real life. It does not work, and it's probably a bad idea to even try. They put up a jump at the top of that hill so that they can, like, there's a ramp at the top of that hill so they can accomplish that. (laughs) Um, because I used to do dumb things because I watched the Dukes of Hazzard and then went driving, so. Uh... So the the police car is like chasing this guy and they chase him to some sort of like warehouse on the dock and uh, he gets away from them for a minute, but they eventually kind of box him in against this fence and he jumps out and he tries to run, but he gets overwhelmed by the cops and uh, this dude driving the car, he manages to get a hold of the cops billy club and he just beats three of them down all by himself with a billy club. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, And then he gets shot with a taser by a fourth cop, but the taser doesn't do anything to him. And the cop is like, uh, uh, tool time now. (laughs) Uh, And so he, he like rips the taser out and he runs up this ramp. And uh, as he's running up the ramp, the cop shoots him, but he still keeps going. And he jumps off the ledge, lands in the water and disappears. And the cop is, and by this time, like five more cop cars have shown up and the cop that shot him is like, "Ah, he pulls a Dr. Loomis. I shot him. I shot him. I know I shot him. He should be bleeding. He's not quite that uh, level of intensity, but he's like, "I, I shot him. He should be bleeding. Like I definitely hit him. And that's when we notice some green stuff on the ground that is the guy's blood question mark and so then we get the opening credits but at the end of the opening credits instead of saying the truth is out there like it normally does it says trust no one which uh, becomes important later on in the episode and I'm actually wearing my trust no one shirt today my x-files trust no one shirt I put it on just because I knew we were going to record this episode Mm-hmm. Ah, 
Yeah, they're still in the box. I need to get like the doll because my uh, my glass display cases are all full. So I want to get they make like doll display cases. For, so I'm going to put those in one of those. Anyway, uh, we get to Mulder's apartment. Uh, it is Sunday, May 8th, 1994. So at the time, this episode was actually, this originally aired, like I said, on the 13th. So this episode was almost taking place in real time. It aired, you know, it's the, the opening shot is set on May 8th, 1994. And this episode is from uh, May 13th, 1994. So I thought that was kind of neat. Instead of setting it kind of ambiguously in time, they were like, oh, by the way, guys, this just happened a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, Mulder, he's, you know, asleep on his couch. And I don't know if we've covered it, but that's where Mulder sleeps. He doesn't use his bedroom. Um, Mulder just sleeps on his couch. And... Uh, you know, his phone rings and he answers it and it's deep throat. And all he says is, are you watching channel eight? So Mulder sits up and he changes the channel and it's a news report about the car chase that we saw in the now kids. Nope. Nope. I was going to say the my Mulder hops up and pops in a VHS tape so that he can record this news broadcast. Um, although there is something interesting that happens later on that I was like, I didn't know that was a thing way back then, but we'll talk about it. Cause I put it in my notes. I thought it was kind of neat. Um, you know, and on the TV, the reporter is like, so what kind of details can you give to the police captain? He's like, bah, 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 none, really. And the uh, uh, some other officer comes up and he says, you know, captain, you're needed. And they walk off. And then there's a pretty nice little scene change edit where the, you know, that scene happens as we're watching the footage on the TV. And then it gets rewound and we watch it again and then it gets rewound and we watch it again and they pull out and instead of being in Mulder's apartment, we're in Mulder and Scully's office and Scully is like, uh, okay, you've watched this a bunch of times. Like, what do you think you're looking for? And Mulder's like, I don't really know. And then this was the part I thought was cool. They do an old school like screen grab. Like there's a printer there. The TV or VCR or whatever is hooked up to a printer and they're like printing stills of the news footage. I was like, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that way they can take the video with them, sort of, while they're out, you know, doing their investigation. And Scully, uh, at this point, says to Mulder, and all he said was watch Channel 8? And Mulder's like, yep, that's all he said. And Scully goes, okay, so then why was this guy being chased in a car? And Mulder's like, uh, as far as I can tell, 
He just wouldn't pull over for a moving violation. And Scully, I thought this was funny. She goes, well, that ought to put him on the 10 most wanted list. <laughs> and uh, Mulder's like, okay, but there, there's got to be something there. There's There's got to be something we're not seeing. And Scully's like, uh, why? How do you even know that Deep Throat isn't just playing some game with you? He's admitted in the past that he just straight up lies to you. And Mulder's like, yeah, but this time he calls for a reason. And, Sc and so uh, Scully's just staring at the, the little photos. And uh, Mulder and Scully, you know, we cut to them talking to the police captain from the news. And they're like, do you know who this guy was? Some guy in one of the pictures. And... Um, He's like, no, look, there were like three full different law agencies out here last night. And Mueller's like three law agencies to hunt a man for a moving violation, which basically means he was speeding. And the captain is like, look, I know it's not silence of the lambs, but this is our job. And Mulder points at a man in the picture and he's like, okay, so this guy's not wearing a badge. He's not wearing a uniform like who was this guy with if there were three agencies out here last night? And the captain's like, look, I don't know. And Mulder goes, okay, well, if you shot this guy, how come you didn't find his body out there in the water, even though it's been 18 hours? And the captain kind of has some explanations. And then he's like, look, why is the FBI here? And Mulder lies to him and he says, well, he met you know, your suspect matches the description of a wanted fugitive. And the captain's like, oh, really? Because we didn't release the description of the fugitive. And Mulder just deflects and goes, OK, well, then can we please look at the car? And the captain's like, oh, pff, fine. <laughs> mm hmm. Well, and not only, not only that, like it, it, um, I, it, at every point you start to wonder who has been gotten to by the people on the inside of the conspiracy and who, so it, as we're about to find out, there's something up with the car that maybe they purposefully wanted Mulder to that maybe they were trying to get Mulder uh, because they go to the impound yard and they, they, you know, look at the car and Scully's like, it's apparently from a rental agency who didn't even know it was missing until a couple hours ago. Like maybe we're wasting our time. There's not even anything in this car. And finally Mulder just gets frustrated and he goes, I don't even know what the hell I'm supposed to be looking for. And he starts looking at all the pictures again. And finally, he notices one of them is the, uh, you know, a, a shot of the car that was on the news. And he looks at the picture. And then he looks at the car. And then he looks at the picture. And he's like, this is not the same car. Like, they just took us to this car saying this was the same car. And it's not. So, clearly, there was, they, they switched out the car and then they let us look at this one. So, there's something in the original car, we're not, which is why I think maybe, like, someone told that cop, 
even though it's not in the episode, like I kind of got the idea that someone was like, look, if these people show up, just let them look at the car because maybe they were hoping if they look at the car and there's nothing about it, maybe they'll just go away. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, yeah, the the caduceus, the the staff with the wings and the snake wrapped around it that is like the doctor symbol <laughs> or whatever, the medical symbol or um yep, around this yeah. And so then Mulder also notices he goes, "Oh, you you see how in this picture from the news you can see like the last couple letters on the plate, those are also different from the plate on the car we were looking. Like, they didn't even bother to. And so Mulder makes a phone call. He's like, you know, can you figure out? I have, like, a partial plate number. See if you can figure it out for me. Uh, and then he tells Scully, the, the real owner of the car, must have something to hide. And so that's when we cut to this uh, facility called the M the Engine Corporation in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and we uh, see a science dude. He's working on some sort of amber substance. Uh, and he's got one, he's got two different containers there, and one of them is an Erlenmeyer flask, which hence the title of the episode. Um, and we can hear, you know, he's in some sort of testing lab because there's, you know, animal sounds and monkey sounds and, uh, Mulder and Scully come in and Mulder's like, are you Dr. Baruby? And he's like, yeah. And Mulder and Scully, they introduce themselves and Mulder's like, did you know that your car was involved in a crime yesterday? And... He goes, no, I didn't even know my car was missing. My housekeeper uses my car a lot. So if it's, if I'm here and my car is not, you know, at the house when I get home, then I, I assume my housekeeper is using it. And so Scully goes to like pet one of the monkeys in the cage and it tries to attack her. And Dr. Bruby's like, no, don't upset them. They're part of a very important experiment. And I'm like, you're a monster if you're using monkeys for... <laughs> for hurting these poor monkeys but Mulder's like "Ooh, experiment what kind of experiment and Dr. Baruby's like look uh, am I under some kind of suspicion and Mulder's like no and he's like good then I don't have it I think we're done excuse me my work is very important and Mulder and Scully leave and so out in the hall Mulder you know he does his like little obligatory are you hurt did it bite you kind of thing and scully's like no no I, i'm fine and he's like good well then we need to go talk to the housekeeper right now and scully's like no <laughs> and Mulder's like what do you mean no and she's like Mulder, this is absurd we're out here on half a hunch based on a cryptic phone call chasing down a clue that is based on speculation and Mulder's like well that's all we've got and he turns to leave again like that's enough and Scully's like no that's all he's given us who the hell is Deep Throat we don't know anything about him we don't even know what his real name is Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> or deep throat, not the smoky. Ma- yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Mulder's argument is like, look, he's he's like important. He's in a delicate situation. Like if they find out that he leaks information to us, then he's going to you know get hurt or whatever. And Scully's like, but you don't even know that he's not like just playing some kind of game. He's like just giving you little bits of information at a time. And Mulder says, you think he does this because he gets off on it? And she goes, no, I think he does it because you do. And then she just walks away from him into the women's room. I know. Yeah. 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 And so it's nighttime and Mulder, he pulls up to his apartment building and he, uh, gets out of his car and he starts to walk in and Deep Throat says to him, calling it a night, Mr. Mulder. And Mulder turns around and he says, my mother usually likes me home before the streetlights come on. <laughs> um, and so they start walking away and Deep Throat's like, oh, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you. I thought your it seems like your commitment to the cause has diminished. I expected you to be up all night long putting the pieces together. And finally, Mulder grows a backbone and he's like, well, then maybe you should actually give me some pieces. And Deep Throat, he's like, oh, no, I've just given you all I can. You're just going to have to figure. And Mulder turns on him and he's like, you know what? Right from the beginning, this has been all about you. And you set all the terms and I've gone along with you and I've played the dutiful son. And maybe now you need to cut the Obi-Wan Kenobi crap and save me some trouble and deep throat's like oh you've become too dependent on me and Mulder's like no I just have plenty to do without chasing down your vague leads and trying to decode your circular logic maybe you're just too dependent on me and my willingness to play your games and he starts to storm off and deep throat's like Mr. Mulder don't give up on this one Trust me, you've never been closer. And Mulder's like, closer to what? And Deep Throat just walks away from him. (sighs) No, it's worse. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we cut to the monkeys in their cages at nighttime. And Dr. Barubi's working late because you can tell... Because it's dark and there's only one little light on. (laughs) So stupid. And uh, a man comes in and he's like, ah, you're working late. And it's like, yeah, we already knew that. He's in the dark room with only one light on. So, (laughs) of course he's working late. And Dr. Bruby's like, who are you? Like, you're not supposed to be here. You got to leave. And the... Crew cut man who actually this guy is going to be a little bit recurring the crew cut man we'll see him come back uh, at a couple points and that's all he doesn't get his well there are there are actually uh, there are actually a lot of characters in this show that don't get real names there is uh, crew cut man there is first elder 
There's the well. These are characters you haven't met yet, but uh, first elder, the well manicured man, um, couple others that they they don't get. But yes, this. <laughs> no, there no. There's no. In fact, of all of those, first elder is probably the most interesting name of the um, group is uh, first elder let's see crew cut man i don't think he let me check i'm looking at it i'm looking at the page i don't think he actually gets oh he also is called the cleaner the cleaner better known as yeah mm -hmm. and he's the it hasn't quite come out yet, but he is one of the, this show's version of the men in black. And they all have uh, a lot of um, vague names. Like he's the cleaner slash crew cut man. They also have Hispanic man, red haired man, gray hair man. Uh, he actually gets a real name. Uh, his real name is uh, Louise Cardinal. But um, there's also a plain clothed man, mustache man, quiet Willie, the shooter, black haired man. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> But the purpose of it is that the reason they're mostly identified by vague um, is because they're supposed to kind of be because of what they do. They're basically a set, and you see it in this episode. Uh, they're basically and we're gonna, about to talk about it in a second. But because they're basically assassins, the idea is that they be just plain enough in the way they dress and the way they look that maybe they get like one or two like crew cut man like what did he look like uh, i don't know he was a white guy in a suit with a crew cut or you know what did he look like i don't know he was hispanic or what did he i don't know he had a a, a mustache like they they kind of purposefully pick indistinct people kind of deal yeah uh so anyway the crew cut man uh since we're getting into it here uh he he's here to talk to dr baruby about uh somebody named dr sakare he wants to know where dr sakare is and baruby said you know basically tries to deny any knowledge he's like i don't know what you're talking about please just leave my work is important and i have to keep working and the crew cut man is like i'm afraid your work is done and we get a shot of the monkeys freaking out as we hear sounds of Bruby being murdered um then we cut to a scene you know the the search boat is still out there looking for the body uh, the captain finally says, you know what? This has been going on long enough. We can't find the body. We're done. And as the boat drives away, we see the man finally come out of the water. And he is still alive. And then we get some quick cuts of crime scene photos of Barubi's dead body. He's got a, a noose around his neck. And then Mulder and Scully, they're walking around the lab and the lab is like a total wreck. And Scully's like, well, 
they are ruling, uh, ruling his death a suicide, and Mulder just kind of looks at all the mess in the room, and he's like, suicide? <laughs> and Scully's like, yeah, they think he just, like, freaked out and trashed his lab and killed himself. And, of course, they are not having that because it's really weird. Like, they have this whole conversation about why nothing about this is suicide at all. Um, and Mulder is like, okay, well, what more do we know about this guy? And turns out he was working on the human genome project, which of course gets Mulder's dick real hard. He's like, oh, the human genome project. And, and Scully's like, yeah, okay, well, you also realize it was a huge project with thousands of scientists working on it and Mulder's like yep but only one of them owned a silver sierra which was the car used in the crime and went bungee jumping with medical gauze wrapped around his neck and I was like ooh and Scully's like sorry Mulder uh, I see the pieces but I don't see the connections and Mulder you know is like looking through a bunch of stuff in the lab and he picks up the Erlenmeyer flask and he says maybe that's it maybe we're not seeing the pieces uh maybe we're not seeing it because it can't be seen in an obvious way and on the bottom of the Erlenmeyer flask is written the uh the term purity control so he hands the flask over to Scully and he's like what do you think this is and she goes I don't know and he goes I know. He goes, can you find out for me? And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to go find out more about Dr. Bruby. And she's like, fine, Mulder. But I'm warning you, if this is monkey pee, you're on your own. <laughs> uh, so then uh, it's 6.30 p.m. Mulder pulls up to a house and he rings a bell and no one answers and he looks in the mailbox, which is a federal crime, but whatever. And uh, it's... Dr. Baruby's house, he's, he's, you know, the name on a piece of mail. So I guess he was expecting maybe the housekeeper would be there because he was told there was a housekeeper. Yeah. And so he walks around to the side of the house and he finds an unlocked window and he breaks into the house. Um, meanwhile, at the Georgetown University Microbiology Department, a science lady tells Scully uh, her first impression of the sample. And this is why I really was thinking about this episode in the world and the smoking man and everything last night. She goes, I think it's some sort of bacteria. Where'd you get it? And, you know, Scully tells her, and apparently this bacteria specimen is really odd because a science lady says, well, they're the size of bacteria, but they don't actually look like any bacteria I've ever seen. And Scully's like, okay, explain that. And the science lady does. And she's like, they're just strange. And Scully's like, and you can't identify them? And the, the science lady's like, well, I could take a thin slice off of them and see what's going on inside them if you don't mind waiting. And Scully's like, okay, I'll wait. And so then it's back at Baruby's place. It's 7.45 p.m. And Mulder apparently has been searching the house for 
over an hour now and he finally sits down at the desk and in the desk he finds a phone bill with calls to the same number over and over and over and over again and you know it's a tv number because it begins with 555 <laughs> so he calls back to his office and he's like hey it's me uh find out what this number belongs to and while he's doing that behind Mulder there's a big picture window and we see a van pull up into frame in the picture window and just park right there looking at that big old white van free candy printed on the side um, I know not only no matter what TV and movies want you to believe big white vans are not inconspicuous. You notice big white vans. <laughs> uh, so in, you know, Mulder's still going through the desk and he finds a key ring and the phone rings and he answers because he thinks it's the office calling him back to tell him what the phone number belongs to. And yeah, like you said, outside in the van, the crew cut man pulls out one of those big listening devices and sticks it out the window. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> it's so weird. Mm hmm. You gotta notice this guy. So uh, anyway, it's it's not the office calling Mulder back. It's a, a voice is like, is that you, Dr. Baruby? And it's the dude from the car chase. And he's like, I'm hurt. I've been in the water three days. And Mulder's like, I I'll pick you up. Where are you? But uh, he he's too hurt from his bullet wounds and he passes out. And a passerby notices that this dude is passed out and he picks up the receiver and is like, this guy's hurt. He needs medical attention. I'm going to call an ambulance. And he hangs up. So Mulder's like, God damn it. And as soon as he's off the line, the phone rings again. And this time it is the number trace and the crew cut man drives off. But Mulder has turned towards the window to grab a piece of paper and he note he, he kind of notices the van. He's like, that was a big old, you know, you kind of see him notice the van. And I took a lot of notes on this episode. It's got a lot going on in it. And it's, you know, for a place called Zeus Storage. And then we get a scene, the, the car chase guy, he's in an ambulance and paramedics have noticed his green blood but they don't know it's blood they're like he's got a green substance leaking out of him and they're like well we don't know what that is but if he's not breathing you got to try to ventilate him through the chest and they pierce his skin with this this needle so they can hook up a hose to get him breathing again but he apparently admits some sort emits some sort of toxic gas because everyone in the ambulance like starts going, oh God, and they're like holding their eyes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, if you pierce his, you know, if you pierce his lung or whatever, the gas has got to be. Um, so uh, car chase dude, he wakes up, the ambulance careens off the road and he escapes. And so then we get Scully. She calls Mulder. Mulder answers. He's like, the, the fugitive's alive. I, I talked to him and. 
Scully's like, okay, Mulder, well, I got something you're going to be interested in. Uh, the bacteria also contains a virus that uh, Baruby apparently was cloning this virus. And each one also contains something like plant cells, but no one here at the lab has ever seen anything like it. And Mulder's like, okay, well, what would you use it for? And Scully's like, well, apparently the only reason you would clone a virus inside a bacteria is in order to inject it into something living. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that was a little too real. Yeah. And she's like, it's called gene therapy. And Mulder's like, well, can you find out anything else? And Scully's like, yeah, but um, I need to tell you that there's something else going on here. Uh... If bacteria like this ever existed in the natural world, it hasn't existed for millions of years, not since before anything living even walked on land. And so then Mulder goes to this zoo storage place, and I, in my notes I wrote, inside what must be the world's creepiest storage units. <laughs> Mulder pulls out the key he found at Barubi's. And he goes to the unit door that it belongs to. And inside, he finds bodies in tanks. Six of them. And they look maybe like they're clones at first glance, but they're, they're not once you finally get looking at them. But one tank is empty, so someone has escaped from this joint. And then back at the microbiology department where Scully is, the, the science lady says, look, ah, a bunch of science stuff that basically come. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Dun, dun, dun. It's that Phoenician alien. And so back at zoo storage, Mulder goes out to his car and the big white van pulls up. And uh, two big dudes hop out of the van. So Mulder turns and begins to walk the other direction. Then a third guy runs at him from that direction. So uh, Mulder, way more athletic than I am, immediately like cuts to the left, runs down an alley, jumps over a fence and just runs like hell. And I'm like, I would be dead by now. <laughs> like I would not even be able to hop that fence. But <laughs> mm -hmm. And he makes it back to his apartment and the phone is already ringing as he walks in the door and he answers and it's Scully and she's like, where have you been? I've been trying to call you. The, the bacteria is alien and Mulder's like, well, I got to show you something. Meet me at my apartment. And I'm like, that sounds sexy. <laughs> oh, and it's the next morning. They go back to zoo storage and Scully at this point goes, uh, look, before we go in there, I just need to tell you something. I was wrong. And Mulder's like, nah, don't worry about it. And Scully's like, no, no, really, seriously. Like, if you would listen to me and we just stopped, we wouldn't be here. I should know by now to trust your instincts. And Mulder's just like, why? Nobody else does. 
but he kind of gives her like a smile and she smiles back and she goes, and I think this is kind of important for Scully. She says, I've always held science as sacred. I've always put my trust in the accepted facts and what I saw last night for the first time in my life. I don't know what to believe. And Mulder says, well, whatever you do believe, Scully, when we get in that room, it's not going to hold up. So they go in and they lock the door, but they find nothing. The place has been totally cleaned out. And Mulder's like, what? There were tanks here and, and there were bodies in them in like some kind of solution. And there were computers and the men in there were alive. They were alive underwater. And Scully's like, well, what happened to them then? And Deep Throat, you hear him say, God only knows. And I don't know. He like pops up. Yeah, as soon as they're there. Like it is, he he does that. It's weird. And he come. he's been just sitting there all night waiting for them to come back. And finally he says, uh, well, most likely they've been destroyed. And Mulder's like, well, who? And Deep Throat's like, I don't know. And Mulder's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> and Deep Throat says, well, you know, there are limits to my knowledge. <laughs> like, I only know so much. And then he talks about how there are all these, like, secret black ops organizations shadow government stuff conducting activities that are secret up even to the highest possible levels and Mulder says well there were three men here last night that chased me and Deep Throat's like no if you were really chased you'd be dead those men are trained for killing and Scully's like okay well are did those guys kill Dr. Barubi? And Deep Throat's like, yeah, probably. And Scully's like, why? And he and Deep Throat basically goes, wow, how do you not see it? And Mulder goes, whoa, Barubi was conducting uh, conducting human experiments with extraterrestrial viruses. And Deep Throat's like, yeah, but that's been going on for years. We've had that since 1947. Uh, and Mulder goes, Roswell? And... Deep Throat basically explains that Roswell was made a big public ordeal to throw everybody off the trail. They've found other UFO crashes where they got more stuff from the crashes that they could figure out how to use. And Barubi apparently was killed because his experiments were so successful and the room they were in was where the first alien-human hybrid was created. And this is a big, hairy deal for the rest of the series, this idea of alien-human hybrids. And I can't tell you why, but it is a big, hairy deal. Yeah, I could tell you why, but it would spoil the surprise. Uh... And Deep Throat, he spreads out a whole bunch of photos and he's like, all the men here, they were terminally ill. They were volunteers. Uh, one of them was Dr. Sakare, who obviously was who the crew cut man was looking for. Uh, he's the dude that was in the car chase at the beginning. And uh, the alien gene therapy cured all of, you know, what they were dying from. 
And he says, you know, uh, Dr. Sakara was Dr. Barubi's friend. So Dr. Barubi just let him go to live a, a normal life, even though he had superhuman strength and the ability to breathe underwater. So Dr. Sakara was Aquaman. <laughs> and uh, finally, Deep Throat's like, he was running away because he wasn't supposed to have survived. They were, you know, the people that were funding the work didn't want the the subjects to survive they only wanted the technology that was developed to make them survive because having a real life human hybrid uh, alien human hybrid out in the world was too much of a risk and scully finally says okay well there's still one thing i don't understand why did you not tell us anything to begin with and why are you telling us now instead <laughs> and deep throat's like well I kind of didn't count on them cleaning up all the evidence and destroying it so quickly. I kind of figured you would be here sooner and it would still be here. And so now you need to take all of this stuff I'm handing you. Go find Dr. Sakare. And if you don't, you don't have any proof and no one will believe you. And now I'm not going to talk to you anymore about this. And he leaves. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So Scully goes back to the, the university and Mulder goes looking for Dr. Sakare. And at the university, Scully goes to the lounge to look for the science lady that she had been talking to before. And she's like, she's not answering her phone. Uh, I can't find her in her office. Do any of you folks know where she is? And turns out there was a horrible car crash and she died. Dun, dun, dun. Cleaning up the evidence. And uh, back at Dr. Baruby's house, Mulder finds Sakare. He's hanging out in the attic and they have a little scuffle because Sakare doesn't realize Mulder's not there to kill him. And before Mulder gets a chance to explain, there's a gunshot and Sakare drops and we see behind him the crew cut man who has just shot him. But the crew cut man's wearing a gas mask and Sakare's wounds begin to secrete the toxic gas and Mulder passes out. And they don't do that. That's the, well, the, you mean in the next scene when we see the, uh, all the red around Mulder's eyes and everything that's from the toxic gas. Mm hmm. No, I, I figured it was, because I figured it was from the gas because it's around just his eyes, nose, and mouth. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It, it could be the your television settings versus mine. Because I noticed he was only red around his eyes, nose, and mouth, which is obviously where the gas would enter his face. Um, so... Well, not with his pants on. Maybe if his pants were off. <laughs> we don't know how uh, uh, corrosive the gas is. I think that's the. I think the gas you got. I think the gas coming out is the gas you got to worry about being corrosive. Uh, and I just lost my place in my notes. Basically, the um, the the cleaning crew is there. There's some men taking the body away. And the crew cut man goes over to Mulder 
and Mulder's phone is ringing and the crew cut man's like, wow, your phone has been ringing nonstop. And Mulder's like, yeah, I'm a popular guy. <laughs> Could you answer that for me? And the crew cut man's like, no, I don't like talking on phones. I have this thing about unsecure lines. But when you feel like talking to me, let me know. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, Scully is getting out of her build, uh, getting out of her car at Mulder's building because she's trying to find him. And it's the next morning, and she rings the buzzer to Mulder's apartment. But Deep Throat comes out from around the corner, <laughs> just hanging out there somehow, just, just. And again, how long has he been standing there just knowing eventually she's going to come to Mulder's apartment? <laughs> and he goes, he, you know, he's not home. And she goes, well, then where is he? He's been gone all night. And Deep Throat's like, I don't know. And Scully's like, well, then what happened to him? And Deep Throat's like, well, they won't kill him. He's way too high profile. And if anything happens to him, you have the evidence that can expose the people that killed him. And she's like, I don't have any evidence. They took it all. They killed the person that had it. And Deep Throat goes, well, the evidence still exists. But I think with your medical background, I can probably get you inside. And she goes, inside where? And he says into the high containment facility at Fort Marlene, Maryland. And she's like, well, what's there? And he says, the, the original tissue. If they've got Agent Mulder, they might be willing to make a deal. It could save his life. So we go off to Fort Marlene, and Scully goes in, and she goes to... And, and uh, by the way, good just facial and body acting on Gillian Anderson for this entire scene because without yeah because without her saying anything you can tell this whole time she's scared to death to be here because <laughs> she goes to security and she presents a badge not knowing if she's going to get through and she does and she goes to the elevator and she looks for the cryogenics lab, but she needs her card to get on the elevator and she swipes it, not knowing if she's going to get on the elevator. And she does. And uh, finally, she gets up to the cryogenics lab and she swipes her badge and nothing happens. And a voice says, name? And... She notices a security guard behind a, you know, a, a window and she goes, you know, Dana Scully. And he's like, and your agency? And she just says federal government. She doesn't say FBI. And then he says, Project Password. And she freezes. Up. I thought this moment was so good. She freezes completely. And she notices the big red alarm bell. And then she looks up and she notices the security camera. And then she looks back at the security guard and he says, Project Password? And she goes, uh, Purity Control? <laughs> and the guard lets her in. <laughs> Whew. 
And so she goes in and she's walking by all these tanks of liquid nitrogen. And finally she gets to one labeled purity control and she opens it. And inside is a friggin' alien fetus. It is an alien fetus in a jug of liquid nitrogen. <laughs> Whew. So we uh, cut to a shot of the city at nighttime. Scully's is just sitting on a bridge in her car, which you aren't supposed to stop on a bridge. I don't know how she got away with that. And another car pulls up behind her and turns its lights off. And Scully gets out of her car with a box in her hand and she walks toward the other car. Yeah. Well, I think, well, later on we get, I think it's in something else beside the, yeah. <laughs> yep. And inside the car, you know, deep throats there. And he's like, okay, I talked to these people. They're willing to make the exchange. Give me the box. And Scully's like, nope, I'm doing this myself. And he's like, yeah, but I made the deal. They are expecting me. And Scully says, I don't trust you. And he goes, you don't have anyone else to trust. And she says, yeah, but I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. And he's like, oh, don't screw this up. And then this next part is so important. This is going to come back. So I wrote it down word for word because this does play into the plot later on. He says, let me tell you something you should know. In 1987, a group of children from a southern state were given what their parents thought was a routine inoculation. But what they were injected with was actually clone DNA from the contents of the package you are holding as a test. That's the kind of people you're dealing with. <laughs> so... And after she hears that, she goes, and why are you giving this back to them? And he says, to save Mulder's life. And she says, at the expense of all those other lives. And he goes, that story is literally just the tip of the problem. The tip of the iceberg of the problem. You and Mulder are the only people left who can bring this whole thing to light. Give me the box. <laughs> and so she does. And the big white van pulls up and Scully gets back in her car. Uh, but she notices the crew cut man giving her the death eye and the crew cut man, he pulls up beside deep throat and they get out and Scully's sitting in her car watching this whole thing happen. Deep throat gives the crew cut man the box. The crew cut man turns around, puts the box in the van, turns back around and shoots deep throat right in the chest, right there in the street. And Scully jumps out of her car. Mulder gets pushed out the back of the van. Uh, Scully checks on Mulder. He seems to be okay. She runs over to Deep Throat. And he just says, trust no one. And then he dies. So that's the end of Deep Throat. And then 13 days later, Scully's in, you know, sleeping in her bed. She starts awake like maybe she had a nightmare. She looks at her clock it's 11 22 at night and her phone rings and she picks it up and it's Mulder and Mulder says they're shutting us down Scully and Scully goes wait what and he goes ah, I had, they called me in tonight and they said they're reassigning us to other sections 
And Scully says, who told you that? And he says, Skinner, uh, word came down from the very top of the executive branch, which means the president. And he, it's over, Scully. And she says, no, no, you, you can't. You have to lodge a protest. They can't do that. And he's like, yeah, they can. And she's like, what are you going to do? And he says, I, I don't know, I'm not going to give up. I, I can't give up. Not as long as the truth is out there. And he hangs up the phone. And we cut to the fucking smoking man in his little storage room in the basement of the Pentagon. And he uh, has the alien fetus in a jar of formaldehyde. And he puts it in a box in his storage room. And he walks out of the storage room. And he shuts the door. And he walks away. And that's the end of season one. Whew. That was a lot. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yo, I was just about to ask you some final thoughts on the entire first season. <laughs> All right. Mhm. 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 Yep. <laughs> uh yeah, in I'll talk about this more as the series goes on, but I think this is a weird thing. I really don't like this, this saying very much, but in this case, I think it's appropriate. I think in a lot of ways, this show was a little bit ahead of its time in terms of the mythology part, but also in terms, I think a lot of the ideas of the episode, uh, or, well, I think a lot of the ideas of the series are bigger than the format of television at the time. Because I think even though the ideas are really big, I think they had to stretch them out too much to fit the 24 episode a season, um, you know, basic broadcast television series structure of the like when this show came back for seasons 10 and 11 uh they were only a few episodes each and they had like uh like the first and last episodes would definitely be attached to the overall story of the season there would be a few more in the middle of the season but also like a couple monster i think having 24 episodes a season in a lot of ways does still hurt this show because uh, and we'll talk like i said we'll talk about it more as we go on but the mythology part as we go forward at least through the next two seasons is some of the best stuff ever put on television it's really interesting it's really strong but it does reach a point where it's like uh you can tell they've got to pat it and also i think if it had gone 
fourth today, they could have cut some of the worst Monster of the Week episodes and really been like, okay, here's our mythology. Here's a couple Monster of the Week. Here's like two Monster of the Weeks. Here's another mythology. Here's two more Monsters of the Week. Here's the season finale. And that way you wouldn't be having episodes like fucking Space or um, Roland in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I, I also think, and I was thinking about this yesterday, um, even modern 24 episode, uh, like I was thinking about the first season of The Flash, which is a show I used to like, but the first season of The Flash actually isn't bad, but it does suffer, it suffers from a lot of the same problems because they stretch out the mystery of who is reverse Flash too long, but it also has a more modern take in that by the end of that season, the whole reverse flash storyline is resolved. You know, that is done. The X-Files, as we go forward, at least I would say up to the movie, which takes place after the end of season five, is kind of based on the old model of we have to have something left for next season. So we need to not resolve the, this story. So at, at a certain point, the, the conspiracy gets way too complicated because they can't resolve it because they're like, we might get result. We might get renewed next season. And then what are we going to do if we get renewed next versus a modern TV show? Like say, Game of Thrones, where they're like, we know we have this many seasons to tell this story. We know this. I guess in their first season, they probably didn't know they had seven seasons. But I bet by like season two or three, they knew how many seasons they had left and could negotiate with HBO about the number of seasons. You know what I mean? So they could resolve the what eventually everybody hated with the, the story of who is going to be the next ruler of Westeros instead of constantly going, okay, well, what, uh, we can't write who is the end of Westeros. Who is the ruler of Westeros at the end of this season? Because maybe we'll get renewed next season. And then what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, Erlenmeyer flask, definitely a plus. And then we are about to get into a run of really good episodes. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Little Green Men, which is obviously kind of the sequel to this episode. Uh, but then the episode after that, you are going to love. And I know you're going to love it. It's called The Host. And it is a great episode of television. <laughs> um. 
the Ho. So Little Green Men, which is also a really good episode, but it is a conspiracy episode. It's kind of focused on um Next season's also an interesting season, and I'll spoil this a little bit because it's the season Jillian uh, Anderson was pregnant and had to leave for a little bit. So uh, they came up with a pretty good way to deal with that as well. Uh, also leads to a few really good episodes where they deal with uh, Scully being gone and the way in which she is gone and the way in which she comes back and how that affects everything going for they they didn't just they did this really great thing where they didn't just come up with some bullshit reason for her being gone from the show for a little bit they literally wrote a storyline that impacts the rest of the series because Jillian Anderson had to leave to have a baby which is pretty cool so uh all right. Well, next episode, everybody's homework is Little Green Men. That's it for this week. Goodbye.